What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Red Zone Radio. I am Robert Wampler. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Just remind listen to Red Zone Radio, the iHeart Radio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, plus the official Red Zone Radio website. All right. We had a lot of football over the weekend. Football coming up. First NFL game tomorrow. More college football this weekend. NFL this weekend. A lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, also, Diamond League final today and tomorrow. And track that should be good. And uh, let, first of all, let's recap some college football games that happened. Um, so isn't it funny how being told something over and over again, whether good or negative, can often impact you in the opposite direction? And here's what I mean by that. So Shakari Richardson, sprinter, um, she was told for a month because remember she broke that record, and then. She was. She tested positive for marijuana, and she didn't get to compete in the Olympics. And in the Olympics, the Jamaicans went one, two, three: Lane Thompson, Raw, Shelly Ann Fraser, Price, and then Shakara Jackson, all from Jamaica. And pretty much for a month, because they had a track meet coming up a couple weeks after the Olympics. Uh, Shakari Richardson was pretty much told, "Don't worry, those do not count." You could beat them. You could be on the podium with them. Those Olympics do not count. Just because you tested positive for marijuana and didn't get to run the Olympics, those aren't the real Olympics. Those aren't the. Re- that's not the real hundred meter final. You're gonna race them again in the classic, and we'll see how you do. Okay, she not only lost to them, she also got last in her heat. And I'm not. And it's not a shot at her. I'm saying I absolutely believe. That she let the out. That she let the outside noise get to her. That she started to believe what people said. Started to buy into it. And so, Oklahoma was told nothing all offseason, but, I mean, you're the national champion. You got Spencer Rattler returning, you got the Heisman favorite, you got a supporting cast, you got the best offensive mind in college football in Lincoln Riley, your defense has improved, you got Alex Grinch as a defensive coordinator, you're playing in the Big 12, I mean, this is your year to be a Big 12 champion, this is your year to be a college football playoff champion, and this is your year to win the national championship. And they almost lost to Tulane. And what I'm saying is, I absolutely believe that Oklahoma let the outside noise get to them a little bit. And, you know, it's not, I'm not necessarily even criticizing for it. We're all human. But I'm just saying, let's not act like, like Oklahoma was so close because their talent wasn't there. Their talent was there. I didn't think they gelled particularly well together. Uh, I thought Spencer Adler forced the issue. I, there, I thought there were a couple questionable play calls by Lincoln Riley. And, and that's all I'm really saying is that they haven't found their footing. They haven't found their groove as a team yet. Like, like don't tell me that Shakari Richardson lost that race because she wasn't fast enough. I, we all saw the time. She clearly could run that time. I'm saying something happened leading up to that race. Whether it was her not being able to compete in the Olympics, whether it was the outside noise, that she just couldn't run as well. Something happened with Oklahoma leading up to that game that they're like, we're going we're gonna to blow through Tulane. We got bigger fish to fry. And they almost got beat. And here's the thing. Looking at this, you know, obviously from an outsider's perspective, let's just take this into context. Here. So if you take Oklahoma's talent, right? It, when you look at all the factors leading up and going into this game, when you look at Oklahoma's talent, and this is probably, this is honestly cheating them a little bit, but even if you look at their talent, I would say their talent is worth at least 15 points. 
I mean, they were favored by 31, but I would say their talent alone is worth 15 points, meaning I think that their talent is good enough to let them win the game by at least 15 points, at the least, and, and that's shorting it a little bit, just for the sake of argument, 15 points. All right, then you look at the other factors. That should be in a home game for Tulane. It ended up being a home game for Oklahoma um, because of the Hurricanes, and it, look, not only is Tulane not as talented as Oklahoma, not only is Tulane not playing for as much as Oklahoma, Tulane had their whole schedule messed up. They were playing for a home game. The hurricane messed it up. They got personal stuff going on outside of football, real-life stuff. Uh, they don't know when they're going to go home. They have another away game this week. I mean, they got real-life problems. So when you take all of that into consideration, Oklahoma should have won that game at the least 17 20 points. I mean, they were favored by 31. And so, again, I'm going to go back to, I don't think it's a talent thing, but I think they were peeking out a little bit. I think they were they were kind of thinking we got bigger fish to fry, and they almost got beat. And you know what? Uh, maybe this will serve them well. Maybe it won't, but they still got time. Uh, and and I, I still think they can win the national championship. I still think they can be in the college football playoff. I just think they need to, I just think they need to get on a roll, get, I think they need to play better together. I think Spencer Rattler needs to stop forcing the issue. And listen, I think they'll be fine. But as of right now, that's not a good look for Spencer Rattler or for Lincoln Riley. All right, Clemson and Georgia. Final score, 10-3. to Man, there were a lot of good defensive games this week. And Penn State and Wisconsin we're going to talk about too. So thinking about uh, Georgia and Clemson, the thing that's interesting about them is that Georgia... Their defense, you can make the argument, is probably best in the nation. If not best, top two. But there was linebackers, that defensive line. I mean, that defense is ready to play against anybody. But again, I have... The concern with Georgia is typically never their defense. Now, now, now not every year... Do, now, they don't always have a... They don't always have a, you know, top-tier defense like they do this year. But they're off... I, 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 listen, this is a game... Where I, I I don't care how good your defense is when you're playing against Alabama and you know you're playing against the Alabamas and the Ohio States of the world Ohio State's explosive receiver room. Um, if you want to play them in national championship uh, college football playoff, if you're playing against Oklahoma, as I, they they still put up a lot of points. I think they're Spencer Radler. Your defense can only do so much. I'm not saying they won't slow the offense down, but your defense can only do so much. And, and odds are you're probably gonna have to put up more than ten points. And let's not forget, you were playing against a depleted Clemson offensive team. Nothing against their quarterback, nothing against them, but they're without Trevor Lawrence. They're still talented, but they're without Trevor Lawrence for the first game in years. Um, they didn't have the consistency there. And it's not that I'm not impressed with Georgia, but I just I, I think their offense is going to need to improve. Now, don't forget, that was only one game. It was a defensive game. It was a slugfest. But um as good as I think Georgia's defense is I and as as much as I think the offense could be fixed I think they're gonna need to do that quick Penn State and Wisconsin that was another great game Penn State proving obviously last year not proving yet but proving most likely that last year was a COVID year they didn't um they beat Wisconsin uh one of the best teams in the country this year one of the best defenses their offense didn't look great, but their defense looked phenomenal. Was put in the red zone multiple times, forced turnovers, forced blocked field goals. Looked great. Won that game, even on the last possession interception. So, they look good. Now, will they be a threat to Ohio State? I don't know. That's a different 
situation. But the thing with Penn State is, this is a year for Penn State where, okay, so when you're a program with Penn, when you're a program like Penn State, one of the one a, a good brand in college football, uh, one of the top programs in the country over the last few years, you cannot, and you have a year like you did last year, where you barely had a winning record. And I get it was a COVID year. But the next year, you cannot be expecting national championship. Now, they could upset Ohio State and go to the Big Ten Championship and maybe go to the College Football Playoff. But this is a year for Penn State to reestablish themselves where they were prior to COVID hitting. This is a year for them to reestablish themselves and get back in the recruiting battles, get back in all that. Take the pressure off them, have a good year, make a New Year's Six Bowl. I'm not saying don't expect College Football Playoff or don't expect a Big Ten Championship because they absolutely could. But a New Year's Six Bowl for Penn State this year is not a disappointment. That's just to reestablish themselves back to where they are. Or where they were prior to COVID, I should say. All right, so we got the Bucks, and we have the Cowboys tomorrow. Uh, Bucks, I, I mean, I'm gonna predict it tomorrow. Break it down where I'll go eat, but it's just uh, I, I don't see the Cowboys winning this game in any shape or fashion. Nothing against the Cowboys, but the Bucks just have more depth, more talent all around. And now you find out that Zach Martin, one of the best guards in football is going to be gone for that game against that heavy pass rush that the Bucks bring. That's going to be a tough game for Dallas. Plus, his home versus Tampa Bay. Primetime game. I just think Tom Brady's going to be ready. As for um, some of the other games, I want I, a team that I really want to talk about is the Browns. Because, you know, the thing with the Browns is you can make an argument. And I'm not even going to say you could. I, I would say I would honestly make the argument. That they're the second most talented team in the NFL, all around, and uh, with the Bucks being the the exception above them, and here's and here's why. When you look at all the other teams, I don't see a team that has the supporting cast, the O line, the pass rush, the secondary, the running backs that the Browns do. I just don't. The Chiefs are great. I love them. I would just, I would argue the Chiefs are only better, and and that by the way that game is taking place this Sunday. I would argue the Chiefs are only better. At two spots. And it's funny. I was talking to someone about this the other day. And they're like. And they were, they were talking about betting on the Chiefs and the Browns. And they're like. I just can't put my money on the Browns. Because they're the Browns. And if I'm being honest. I think that's a, I think that's a short side take. And it doesn't make sense to me. Because here's the thing. Information changes. And it drives me crazy. Because I talk about this all the time. With conferences and college football. I talk about this with teams. Where people are like. Well, I'll say, like, let's say there's a team in the week one. So, here's an example. Last year, I said uh, that the Bucks weren't going to be good. And for the first five weeks, they weren't great. They they were not one of the best teams in the NFL. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm right. But then I said, they're not going to be good for the rest of the season. Okay, I was wrong about, I, I wasn't necessarily wrong the first time when I said they weren't good because at the time they weren't. Information changed and they got better. I was wrong for saying they wouldn't be good for the rest of the season that they wouldn't win the Super Bowl. That's where I was wrong. And... So, information changes. So, to say that you're not going to... I'm not even saying you got to put money on the Browns, but to say that the Browns aren't going to be good um, simply because of their history, I think it's a short-sighted take. It doesn't make sense because information changes. Yeah, you're right. A few years ago, when they didn't have a quarterback and they didn't have any weapons or and they had one of the worst O-lines in the league, you're right. They were one of the worst teams in the league. But now, according to Pro Football Focus, they have the number one ranked offensive line in the league. They have the number one ranked weapons cast in the league. And then you just and then you look at what Baker's got around him. He's also got 
the best pass rush, the best secondary. They added John Johnson, the safety from the Rams. Kevin Stefanski appears to be the guy for the coach. Greedy Williams coming back. Denzel Ward is coming back. So much talent. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, uh, as, far, as far as receivers go. So I would argue if you're looking at him versus the Chiefs, the Chiefs are only better at quarterback and safety, arguably. And you can make the argument about safety for either team. I, I wouldn't make the argument for quarterback because the Chiefs are clearly better there. But it's just the Browns have so much talent and so much depth that I, I the least the worst case scenario for the Browns this year is divisional around the wild card. I mean, their talent is Super Bowl. Their ceiling is Super Bowl. Um, but the least talent for the Browns, the, the the floor for the Browns, I should say, is wild card to divisional round. Um, but I do want to talk about Baker Mayfield a little bit because I did say I would argue that the Chiefs are better at two positions, quarterback. And it's nothing against Baker Mayfield, but I was thinking about Baker Mayfield the other day because Baker Mayfield has kind of had this like roller coaster of a career in the three years that he's been a quarterback, four years, I should say, that he's been a quarterback. And it's really interesting to see because, you know, remember a couple years ago uh, when the Browns had, it was the first year with Odo Beckham, they had Baker, and then uh, every week that Baker would throw a pick or something, he was just getting ripped by sports media all over, all over. And everyone was just criticizing. He comes back the year after, COVID year, and, and he plays good, and he, and he plays good, and they make the playoffs, and they almost beat the Chiefs. But the thing with Baker Mayfield is this. People say, well, he's not Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And you're right. He's not the Russell Wilsons of the world. He's not necessarily going to make a uh, he's not going to make a 50-yard pass fading off his back foot like Patrick Mahomes will. Okay, and he's, he's not going to do that. But here's the thing. And, but to that, I would argue this. Those teams are paying those quarterbacks a fortune. Yeah, Mahomes' deal is team-friendly, but nonetheless, they're paying him a fortune. They're paying, the Cowboys are paying Dak a fortune. The Bills are, gonna, are paying Josh Allen a fortune. And with Baker, you're not paying him a fortune. And here's what the benefit comes in is that, like, he, he, he's like Kirk Cousins kind of style quarterback, but you're not paying him Kirk Cousins' money. You're paying him cheap enough to where, you can you can pay other players, supporting cast members, to where you can win, and Baker appears to be okay with that, which is a big plus, which is a big deal as far as Baker's career in Cleveland goes. And here's the thing: when you have players like Nick Chubb, and when you have players like Kareem Hunt, and when you have players like Miles Garrett that you can pay, and you have all these cornerstone pieces, cornerstone uh, players like Denzel Ward. I would argue doesn't really matter if you have a Mahomes at quarterback, as long as Baker is not costing you the game. And you have all those players. Does it really matter if you have Mahomes or Wilson at quarterback? We would all love to obviously have those quarterbacks for our teams, right? But it, those guys are outliers. Those guys are exceptions. And this is, to, I would argue this. It's like, listen, if you draft a guy in the NBA draft, just because Kevin Durant and LeBron James exist does not mean if this guy is not Kevin Durant or LeBron James that you just cut him. Uh, I, I don't think that makes sense. And the same, I would argue, look, Baker, here's what Baker is. He is, if you're at a relay and track, he is the guy you might give it to on the back stretch. He's not, he's not going to be your anchor, okay? He's not going to be your anchor, and he's not going to, you're not going to give it to your anchor hoping that he brings you back down a couple spots in the race. That's where Mahomes and, and Wilson come in. He is the guy that you give it to, and he's not necessarily going to pass anybody. He might, um, but he's not going to, he's going to put the anchor in position 
to where the anchor can win the race. And the anchor is obviously Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Miles Garrett, all the other players. Baker is going to put the anchor in position. He's not going to drop the baton. He's not going to do something dumb. He's going to put the anchor in position to win the race. He's going to put those players in the position to win the game. And and you could make the argument, oh, well, that means he's a game manager. Well, to that I would say, what well, does it matter if he's a game manager if you're winning games, if if you're if you're at the ceiling is Super Bowl, and if you're not paying him a lot. Um, it's just look, Baker Mayfield. Uh, it, you're right. He's not necessarily. A, he's probably never going to be the best quarterback in the league uh, when he's in the league. But he's going to win you games. He could absolutely win a Super Bowl team he has now, and if he keeps taking pay cuts, if he doesn't cost Cleveland a fortune, they're going to be fine and they're going to win games. All right, last thing today and tomorrow is the Diamond League. There are a lot of uh, really good races on. We're going to get to see uh, Noah Lyos, uh, Andre DeGrasse. Re- I, I want to see that rematch, obviously, the race in the Olympics. Andre DeGrasse beat him in an upset. We'll have to see how that works out again. We get to see Elaine Thompson to Raw, Cheyenne Fraser-Price, a lot of lot of speed. Um, the little Muhammad and the 400-meter hurdles. There's going to be a lot of, look, this is the final. And uh, oh, also, Allison Felix, this is probably going to be her last race, arguably. Uh, maybe not, but she said this could be her last race. It was already her last Olympics. Her career is obviously winding down. Um, a great career, the most decorated Olympian ever uh, in the sport track and field for the USA. So there's going to be a lot of speed on, on the track Wednesday and Thursday. Can't wait to watch that. Um, but that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Red Zone Radio. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you next time on Red Zone Radio.